Hello, Veronica. Hello. Hello. I heard that you like number one movies at the box office. Who is this? How did you how did you know that this is what I like? Because you've been recording a podcast about it for four and a half years, Veronica. Oh, oh, okay. So it's like based on public information. Okay, okay, cool. So Listen up! Do you-, you better tell me your favorite number one movie at the box office, or I'm going to delete my subscription to your podcast. Uh... Oh, oh God! We don't really have that many subscribers, so I guess that's important. Uh, 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 my my number one number one favorite movie at the box office. Uh, it's uh, uh, Batman, Batman. Wrong answer. This was also a quiz, and that movie was called The Batman, Veronica. No. No, please keep listening. All right, I really do like your content. I'll keep listening. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Can Aww. I do the honors? Yeah, of course. Toot, toot. Wow, it's never been sexier. Do you, <laughs> you want to, like, uh, <laughs> do you want to replace John, sexy stranger? <laughs> Unmasked, I am John. Whoa. Third act reveal. Unmasked. Finally. <laughs> Finally, I know, who's been calling me all these years, asking me yeah, about have, my favorite my movie at the ID. box office. <laughs> well, I just, I just, it's just a sexy stranger. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, well, you type that in. That's your fault. That Hello, everyone. Fault. I'm John. I'm Veronica. And this is Box Office Time Machine. The podcast where, yeah, I did the math on that for four and a half years, nearly five, wow. probably closer to five. Uh, we have been watching the number one movie at the podcast. Uh, the podcast? Nearly five years, everyone. The number one movie at the box office, either from this past weekend or weekend from far in the past. Ooh. But this week... We're doing a new movie. And, you know, we, we've actually haven't had an episode in a bit because we've been fucking up. <laughs> we keep watching alternating number one movies at the box office, but never watching the same one. So should we just very quickly go down our review, our our rating system of uh, the previous three number one movies at the box office? We'll be ranking them on a scale from eh to eh. All right. First okay. up, I saw Knock at the Cabin. I'll give that a eh. You saw I, Mad Max, Mad Max, Magic Mike 3. I gave it a, yeah. I saw Ant-Man, Qu- Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and I'll give that a eh. 
And that was the three most recent number one movies at the box office. You know, this podcast could be much shorter if we use that system all the time. That's true. Maybe we just do a series of grunts for five minutes and call it a day. But we can't this week. No. Because we're doing the sixth entry in a series famous for dialogue. We're doing Scream 6. S- six? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's part of a franchise now. It's not a requel anymore. It's not a sequel. It's not an end of a trilogy. It's a franchise now. I got a question for you, Veronica. Have you ever heard an actual human being use the word requel? No, no. This, uh, I, I, I feel like previously, I guess last movie, I've, I likened the dialogue in that about movies to the dialogue in the movie Glass about comic books. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah, that's harsh. That's brutal. A movie a movie about comic books written by M. Night Shyamalan, a man who appears to kind of understand that comic books are printed on paper, but that's about it. Yeah. They have they have superheroes in them that have to fight. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> that's all he knows. But for anyone confused, we're probably going to get a little in the weeds on this because I don't know about you, but Scream may be my favorite film franchise. I I was thinking the same thing. It's definitely in my top five. Uh, and until the fifth one was released, I would say it was the most consistent one, uh, in my opinion. And now it's all just there (laughs) well hold the phone hold the phone because i think we might be coming at it from different directions because um we saw scream 5 together last year we did not do an episode on it it didn't fall in whatever cycle we were on at the time did we Um, not i could have sworn we'd done one maybe did we we do an episode on it and i completely forgot i could have sworn that we talked about this at length but maybe that was just our friendship so, well, we knows. talked about it at length at the bar afterwards. I remember that. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. But yeah, okay. Oof. Now well, we have if we to did, more we're backgrounds. retconning it now. We never did an episode. <laughs> this franchise is getting convoluted. But um, so I rewatched Scream 5. And uh, at the time, I thought it was okay, but I was a little disappointed. And I rewatched it and I liked it more than I did uh, uh, originally. This is Scream 5. This is not the current one. And mm-hmm. so there's something I noticed about these uh, these Scream movies. Uh, when you're making a sequel to, a, to any kind of franchise, I think you have to ask yourself, what are the key components of that franchise? And for me, I, I don't know, you, you tell me if you agree. I would say for the Scream franchise, it is um, a hip, clever dialogue, Commentary on current horror trends, suspenseful set pieces, a whodunit with the reveal that leads to an over-the-top performance monologue, and some fun scares. Would you say that's uh, the main components of a Scream movie? I would add, like, it usually earlier on had more to say about just, like youth culture or I guess like the culture in which those characters were existing in at least like thinking back to the first three and even the fourth one I feel like there was a lot about just like depiction of how these character experience these characters experience horror 
or how these That's, characters live yes. within like I, this pop culture. I would agree with you that the movies do tend to try to, at their best, find a connection between um, the motive of the killer at their best has a connection between both current horror trends and uses them to say something about the culture at large. Mm -hmm. And so these uh, current ones from... uh, we we not since Scream One and Two have two screams come out so close together, twenty two mm-hmm. and twenty three, um, Scream Five and Six. But they were eleven years after twenty eleven Scream Four, mm-hmm. and at the time I did not. I was disappointed by Scream Five because while it maintained all of those components that I listed and did so well, I thought the one it didn't really do is comment on current horror trends. And I found that really disappointing because I felt like we had had the biggest seismic shift in the horror genre since the Scream franchise started with the dawning of, you know, the art house horror movies, the really like, the most popular horror movies of recent years were artsy, had things to say about society, everything from Jordan Peele to A24, you know? Mm. And while they paid lip service to those movies, like bringing them up a couple times, they made no attempt to parody them or, you know, have the movie look like them in any way. Because the biggest shift is that current horror movies no longer look like the Scream franchise. Mm -hmm. And they could have made the choice to make these new sequels bridge that gap and make them look like modern, like look like an A24 movie and really comment on on some of the, uh, while I love all those movies, some of their failings. They decided no. And instead, the new Scream movies are more commentaries on movie culture. Scream 5 is all about toxic online fan culture. Scream 6 is, I guess, about franchises. But I would argue it's not. (laughs) Well, I agree. Unlike (laughs) the earlier movies, they don't really have much to say about... I I think 5 had actually more to say about toxic fan culture. But Scream 6 really does not have anything to say about franchises. I don't even know what they would be saying. You could argue that some of the sillier fan service in this movie is like a commentary on like bringing back characters who were definitely dead. You could say that's kind of making fun of like Fast and the Furious or whatever. But I guess, all in all, but what are you bringing in? Who are you bringing back? Like, who was <laughs> clamoring for Kirby? Sorry, keep Kirby's going. Kirby's our but... Han. Uh, the the Scream <laughs> fan base loves Kirby. Kir- Kirby's our Han. <laughs> Citation. And I mean needed. Han from Citation Fast and Furious, not Han needed. Solo. <laughs> Although Han Solo also came back after he died. Um, well, he but... like froze, right? Or something. Well, no, I'm talking about in the the sequel trilogy, how he gets stabbed in the gut, but then he comes back not as a Force ghost, because he's not a Jedi. He comes back as a memory. Cool. Sounds great. Rise of the Skywalker, greatest film of all time. Um, (laughs) But but they don't really have that commentary stuff. But I, I will say this, and maybe this is where we differ. I think all the other things in that I listed... Uh, that make up a screen movie, I think these new sequels are accomplishing them very well for the most part. 
mm-hmm. can talk about one element of these two movies that I truly hate, but for the most part, they're accomplishing them well enough that I, I, I enjoyed this one quite a bit, and I enjoyed five more on a rewatch. So while I'm disappointed the co- the satire is gone, I am enjoying them as horror comedy whodunits. And I feel like you disagree, and I've talked too too long, <laughs> like a like a scream villain monologuing. So we'll shoot me in the head and let you take over. Do you disagree? All right, please pass me the mask, and I will don it <laughs> and start talking. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with you that that's what the old ones used to be good at. I would argue the new ones do none of these things well. I think mm. the dialogue is not good. Uh, I don't think there there were two good scenes in this movie that I was just like, oh, maybe, maybe this would be good. This is bad. Like, Wait, you, uh, you didn't think there were two good scenes or there were I only I thought two there were scenes? only two good okay. scenes in this movie. I thought this movie was the most predictable of the franchise. I'm not the kind of person who even tries to guess who who the killer is or killers. I knew immediately upon like seeing like the main killer character, not only that they were the killer, but like what their motive would be because it was so fucking obvious. It was just like, I don't even understand how that like was not flagged in any test screen. Like, I don't think this movie, this movie could have been made in 1997 and been basically the same movie. Like there's nothing that they're saying about youth culture of today there's nothing that they use about the way the teens or young adults communicate today that's included in this movie. Like they are actually actively are paying an homage to what I would argue is the weakest of the original Scream movies. Scream 2. Scream 2. Almost like slavishly recreating a lot of the setups and scenes but in the service of an old movie that barely anyone remembers and the like the characters talk like they would talk in 97 like why like it it's i i truly i'm down dumbfounded why this is like what they're doing so it's just like dialogue is not clever like Everything is very obvious. The kills are very cruel, which I guess is fine. That's sort of like, I guess, like the new genre and stuff. And there's also just, also Billy's ghost is back, which is like another thing that I just fucking hate. Uh, and Can we, but, can we pa- pause just for a second? Sure. That is the one element of these two <laughs> sequels that I hate so fucking much. I'm very positive on these two sequels, but Force Ghost Billy Loomis is terrible. It is not Skeet Ulrich's fault. It is just in conception and in execution, so dumb looking. It is dumb. It's also like, I would say that's actually one of the only interesting ideas that they have in this new franchise of like, we have a finals girl, final girl, who's bloodthirsty like she Mm. has something within her that actually like she feels good when she kills someone like it's it's fucking dexter it's i mean sure it's it's dexter whatever but we're not even exploring this at all like she says that to a therapist 
in one scene and then we don't talk about it at all. We don't see how maybe that could be affecting her relationship with anyone, including her sister. And then she stabs someone 21 times. <laughs> and, and it's like, sure, I guess that would be a thing that someone who's bloodthirsty would do. But like, we're not seeing any sort of like development of the character. And I was thinking back, even like the, like, love, I love Scream 3. I think Scream 3 is like, after the first one is my favorite one, but it's very fucking silly. And, but like, even in that movie, there's a lot of just like, Sydney is kind of like, reckoning with like the memories of her mother like the past that she never knew that she had like all this stuff and it's just like here i don't know anything about these people actually like i truly like why am i supposed to care that they're the core four like who cares <laughs> i don't know who you are i don't like i don't know how i would like how i'm supposed to like care about these characters who are like so thinly drawn and also by the way sorry i don't mean to rant but like another no, thing I, I have already ranted plenty but the whole thing about even like when they're trying to introduce we have like the new randy and sort of mm. we're supposed to kind of care about her in the way that we used to care about randy which is great i love randy and i think the actor is really good but like all, she talks like no, 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 like young adult talks like this. She talks like, you know, like the movie writers talk probably about like franchises and bullshit. And then she brings up all the rules. It's like anyone can die. Anyone can be the murder. And then what happens? No one we uh, we knew from the previous movie dies. And the murderers are the new people who are introduced to us. So it's just like you're not even like playing with the expectations of these rules is just yeah i don't know it's it's a real bummer i just like i wish they actually actively tried to make a screen movie for this new generation mm -hmm. instead they're sort of like trying to make this weird homage to like a movie from 25 years ago that probably most people don't really remember super well and like why why are we doing this i don't i don't know <laughs> well I, I have a few disagreements with points you made first um i don't think you can consider it a slavish remake of scream 2 unless you include a song where a jerry o'connell type character stands up on a okay. table and <laughs> sings point. i think i love you <laughs> or, i what, see what, this what point i will say <laughs> missed they should have done that if anything like that would have been fun uh. I I hate that scene, and apparently the actors hated doing it too. There's a bunch of oh, behind the scenes I'm where sure. they're like, "We're That's... so embarrassed." That but, scene um, is very silly. But also, I disagree with you. Uh, your insane uh, contention, and we've debated this in the past that Scream Three is not easily the worst of the series. It's so fun. I actually listened to a podcast <laughs> last night where a bunch of people were saying how good Scream Three was, and I was like, "Yay! There's dozens of us. Dozens." Madness. Madness. <laughs> uh, uh, Scream Three also includes a ghost parent, and I hated it there too. I hate yeah. Ghost Sydney's mom, and I hate Ghost Sam's dad. I Ghost Sydney's mom. Was, out of my screams there's one ghost his name is Ghostface, and he's a mask but a ghost sydney's mom at the time like was so creepy like that scene where she creepy, hunts yes. her down in the set it was so scary uh, another thing that this movie doesn't have is any sort of suspense i'm sure we're okay. gonna 
I'm well, sure I we're going to talk about the, the scene in the subway, which I think is like the one good scene or one of the two good scenes. But I was like, I never felt even the slightest bit of suspense the entire movie. I was just, it's, it was so sad to me. I was more, su- I felt more suspense watching Megan than I did watching Scream. And it's well, that's insane. crazy. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I want to, I want to get to that, but just uh, to go back to some other things you said, um, Jasmine Savoy Brown is the actress who plays Mindy, the new Randy. Right. <clears throat> and I do think, uh, the movies are not doing her service because we get the rules scene, and because this series is not really commenting on current horror trends, the rule scenes are the worst scenes of the movie. Right. Because her saying the rules of a franchise, what rules of a franchise? What are you talking about? What is the <laughs> pattern you're talking about? It's not a good scene. She's a good actress, but that scene is the worst scene in this movie that doesn't involve uh, Skeet Ulrich wearing a costume from 25 years ago. Um <laughs> But then, uh, uh, but then I think what you're saying about like why doesn't this feel like a movie for current day? And I think it goes back to that decision of not making this new line of screams really be about horror movies of this time. Um, and the reason they had to, and and also they really had to force characterization into the surviving characters from the fifth movie because the last movie mindy and her uh brother whose character's name is i think chad Chad, which is very funny the actor actor of chad we're we're naming all the supporting characters and not the stars of the movie um but chad is played by mason gooding why could i not find him uh mason gooding yeah um uh, like those characters survived the last one and continue here, but they they got so little screen time in the last one because the last one was juggling the legacy cast and the new cast that we had to force characterization into this one, which I found I I hated requel last time and I did not like core four this time and I get they were lampshading how uh forced inorganic it was, but that did not make it better. But no. okay. Those are the things I don't like about the movie. I want to move on to the things I do like about this movie. Because unlike you, I really did enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I found the things that they were best at were the suspense scenes. Like the subway. And I'm very curious, what was the other scene you liked? Oh, the first one. Uh, The blind date. I like that. I... Yeah. Yeah. I I really enjoyed that, except for, like, the infuriating thing that they do in so many New York movies by pretending that we have alleys. Like, (laughs) we don't have alleys in New York. That's, like, a famous New York thing. I knew this before I came to New York. Like, that's why our garbage is in the fucking street. Like, anyway, that's not important. Well, this this leads to, I think, one of my... My favorite elements of this movie is that I think it is actually a very good urban set slasher movie i think it uses the new york setting well that being said i think you have to accept some completely absurd things like yes any movie set in new york will pretend that new york has scary alleyways (laughs) uh we do not live in the teenage mutant ninja turtles universe 
There are not scary alleyways. Yeah. Also, this any horror movie set in New York has to pretend that w- the walls have the greatest soundproofing that has yeah. ever existed. <laughs> you could have six young women screaming at the top of their lungs, and no one will do anything. The uh, uh, what, what's what's the name of the poor woman's name? Kitty Gian, Gia, uh, the woman uh, who died in the seventies. Oh, Kitty, uh, Kitty Genovese. Kitty, Kitty Genovese. Like, that's a disproven lie. Yeah. Um, uh, tons of people called the police when she was killed. Um, and so that's, and then, yes, uh, here's the thing. If you watch Scream 6 to get your uh, knowledge of, of uh, New York, I will tell you that our subway systems typically keep their lights on. The lights yeah. do not continuously well, go off. It does happen sometimes when you're on an it, old train. That every it's once in a while. But, but I didn't mind all those things. I thought all of those sequences were... I loved the subway sequence. I loved the ladder sequence. Uh, oh, trying no. to get from one apartment to the other. I loved it. And I loved... Um, uh, what was what was another... Uh, uh, well, I there's the Gale Weathers. The Gale Weathers penthouse sequence. I thought this movie used the New York setting really well. Oh, the bodega one was pretty decent, though. Oh, it I kind loved of felt the bodega scene. The bodega ended up also kind of feeling like death wishy with that, like you know, like the giant like shotgun. But yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I will that say was suspenseful. But the thing that I liked about the first scene, to go back to that, is that mm-hmm. like it kind of like again like subverts expectations in a way that I think the rest of the movie does not, which is it's the first opening and i think like the first pre like villain reveal at the end where like we see immediately who the killer is uh and we see their routine uh and i thought that was pretty cool i was like oh ooh, maybe maybe i don't know what to expect and but then like the rest of the movie was a just like kind of like by the numbers thing uh and that was kind of disappointing the scream series used to be about horror movies now the Scream series is about the Scream series. And that is a disappointment. I, I will say that is the thing that held me back from enjoying the fifth one uh, on first viewing. I now can enjoy it more. But um, but yeah, it, it it is completely self-referential at this point. But that leads to they came up with, I think, one of the... I don't know how many other, after the insane opening to Scream 4, which I love dearly, Scream 4, my second favorite. Yeah, Scream 4 I don't know how you could come up with a new surprise in the opening sequence other than what they did in this movie, which I found really surprising. They stab Samara Weaving almost immediately, Mm. and then the ghost face just takes his mask off, and it's fucking Flash Thompson from the new Spider-Man movies, and then we just follow him. I loved it. I thought that was great. Yeah, I I thought that was, yeah, as I said, I had no notes on this other than the alley, which, again, if the scene works, I can totally ignore. I'm not like a, yeah. like an unfun stickler, but like when like shit just doesn't make Are you one of those sense. people who is like, the New York geography doesn't make sense. You'd never get from that road to that road. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I've given up on that. I mean, I'm... The thing is, is that, like, I am pleasantly surprised when they do get it right, which actually, in the subway scene, I feel like they did, at least in the train announcements, because I used to live in the Upper West Side, and I used to live where they were going, and uh, 
So that was kind of fun where they like announced the right trains and the right sequence and, uh, or the right stops. Uh, so yeah, and that, that scene was fun. I thought that scene was really fun, but I don't think that scene was super suspenseful. Uh, and also it does introduce like another, um, New York, uh, is another like Kenny Genovese thing, I guess, about like this woman gets stabbed and no one like does anything that like there are people well, they, in a crowded train. The... <clears throat> so this is Mindy gets stabbed in the subway and yeah. Ethan, no one sees it at first, which I believe. And then uh, like, yeah, someone would hear her getting stabbed. That's absurd. But yeah. whatever, we accept it. But then Ethan runs over to her. And I think if you saw someone get stabbed and someone else runs over to her and like yelling, get help, like you'd pull out your, unless you had medical training, you'd like pull out your phone to call 911. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't walk over, especially these are all drunk kids going to Halloween parties. But it felt just like people... Is this the first scream that takes place on Halloween? Uh, yeah, let's see. Second one, no, because it's sort of... Uh, well, third one, they're adults. Fourth one... Yeah, you know, no, they, think... it's funny. They've always come up with reasons for non-threatening characters to have like scary looking costumes as well. So mm -hmm. the second one had um, this sequence where she's doing uh, some Greek tragedy. I forget which play she's doing. So oh, everyone yeah. and all the frat guys wear robes for some reason. So you have that. The third yeah. one is on a film set. So there are tons of ghost face costumes, but it's weird. It took them this long to be like, oh, just make it fucking Halloween. And I love the idea that everyone is wearing horror movie costumes. I yeah. like this movie so much more than you. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It, it is definitely evident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, um, I guess another question that it's more about just mm -hmm. like the reality of this world. Yeah. But so Ghostface, the Ghostface murders, he's probably like one of the most prolific serial killers in. Well, do you count that? Because it's a different person every time. All right, but like uh, the what, like basically, like this mask is like infamous for being a vehicle mm -hmm. for murder. Uh, would you like? Would Party City be selling? <laughs> like, uh, I think there would be, and I think that's a good thing for them to do in the next movie. Oh, I had, I remember other things I wanted to say about uh, 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 in response to you. Um, I think there would be a, an outcry that we should finally stop selling this fucking costume. But I guess you yeah. could say that the studio that owns the rights to the Stab franchise is making so much money off the costumes that they don't want to stop selling it. But I feel like that should be brought up. That At this point, it seems crazy <laughs> insane that like there's all these sociopaths that's kind of like, who's like dressing up as Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween? Like, or as like the Columbine murders? Like, no one does this. Well, so it also, is <laughs> in the world of the movie, they are both... <laughs> the one slightly absurd thing, the one, uh, is that in this world, there were real serial killings. Then there was a movie based off right. the serial killing, which became a silly film franchise. So in this world, there are both. It is as if you lived in a world where uh, the the first Halloween was based off a real killing, and yet everyone's like, "Gotta go see Halloween 8. <laughs> well, I guess like isn't like Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of based on something no real? no or, like, uh, oh it was kind of based on like Dahmer wasn't it or something no 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 like, it was 
loosely there are a ton of movies that are loosely inspired by ed gein oh ed um, gein. That's but none is. of them like psycho but a lot of them are based off of inaccurate uh things uh, that came out about his uh about his, his life like uh, psycho took the, the thing about him wearing women's clothing which might not actually which might have been made up by some reporter um gotcha. i'm not a serial killer expert don't yell at me fucking true crime fans uh, <laughs> but i think texas chainsaw massacre only took the idea which again i don't remember if it's true or not i think it is that he made furniture out of human skin that's the oh, only right, part right. that connects uh ed gein to texas chainsaw massacre I don't All know. Right. Maybe he liked making chili. That might that part might be accurate. <laughs> um, All right. But, Who do you want to talk about next? Kirby, Gale, well, I go back, or Dermot Mulroney? Okay, I do want to talk about the killers, but let's go back. We have not actually talked about the main characters yet. The main characters They're in boring. this, I'm assuming, trilogy, because like, there's something I want to say about this, are uh, two sisters. And this is Sam and Tara. Sam is played. What is by, their last name, um, John? Their last name Why is, is so this an alphabetical. Cool. It's so confusing. Sorry, what? Uh, what is their last name, John? It's kind of cool. Carpenter. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's Tara and Sam. Are yeah, uh, Sam, Sam is, is played the by eldest. Melissa Barrera, and uh, Tara. Tara. I think I think they say Tara is played by Jenna Ortega. Yes. And um, Sam is the one who uh, is Dexter. She's just Dexter. (laughs) Um, And uh, I think this is the one, uh, this, the one of the big differences between this movie, these movies and the old movies is I think they have a full trilogy arc planned out and I'm calling it here. Scream seven. The killers will be. Stu- well, they might not do this anymore because everyone's guessed it, but Stu Mocker, a returning Matthew Lillard. Oh, God. That would be so bad. Oh, God. Well, you know, that was the original plan for three. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do it. <laughs> and they then? only didn't do it because of Columbine. The plan was that he was in prison and he was, like, online uh, uh, radicalizing teenagers. I mean... Sure, but like he also had a TV fall on his head and he clearly died. <laughs> like it's I I kind of like what I have liked about the Scream franchise up to this point is that people stay dead except for apparently Kirby now. But like I kind of like that like people who died are dead. Like Dewey is dead, Randy is dead, uh, dead and I love those characters, but they're going to remain dead. And, like, no, I don't want Stu back. I don't want... You know what? Maybe it would be interesting if Sam is the killer. Maybe Sydney is the killer. I don't know. Who cares? If they are... If they are actually doing homages for them in order, Mm -hmm. it would have to be someone uh, like Roman. So it would have to be, like... I guess maybe, like, your idea of, like, I was radicalizing them all along. But... Well, I know who the main. I I have my theory about who the main killer is in seven. I'll get to that in a second. But I think I think the Sam character is based off of for years. I remember as a kid when the first trilogy was coming out, every movie that came out, people were like, "Sydney's the killer this time." My uncle works for the studio, and he heard that Sydney cracks, and she's the killer. I think the killer, and I think that's what inspired their version of their final girl, Sam. 
But I think uh, I think Scream Seven is going to maybe be Stu, but I think the main killer is going to be uh, Sam and Tara's mom, who they have brought up so many times yeah. without showing. And in this movie, they have a whole conversation about how the mother thinks that Sam ruined her life. Yeah. So if they have the next one, it be the mom and so it's her mom who slept with Billy and then Billy's partner and then she's the the new Billy. I think I think they're building to that. But whatever, that's that's a hypothetical future. Um, let's talk about the killers. This one, the only reason I didn't think it was Dermot Mulroney was because he was so obvious, and I was positive <laughs> the mother was the killer this time. The one that I knew for a fact was Quinn the roommate. Because if you have seen every, any Scream movie, they pull the most obvious uh, uh, red herring things where, uh, let's see, first off, we do not see her die. We do not see her actually get stabbed. We just see her body flop down. Mm-hmm. And then, um, oh, then the most obvious one was at the beginning when she's talking and she says, she says, um, uh, yeah, it's hard losing someone. I remember... Uh, I remember when my brother died, it really tore up my family. No other sentence about the brother. And I went, well, we'll find out who that brother was in an hour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, combine that with Dermot Mulrooney saying, I've now lost two kids. I was like, okay, I know who your two kids are. And also, like, <laughs> coming back or going i guess jumping forward like his explanation about how he w- managed to like uh not have the police like investigate like the fake murder of his daughter is insane it was like yeah what, it was just what, like it, it that he was just like, yeah, with some prosthetics and stuff. Oh, and yeah, I put like another body and some prosthetics on it and it fooled the police. I'm I'm sorry, like obviously ACAB and whatnot, but like I assume people <laughs> who like work in like pathology like would see immediately through this. This is insane. This is such a dumb explanation. They should have gone further and had Quinn's fake body be like burned beyond recognition or something. It's just, it was so, I I think maybe like, it was just so lazy. Like you're not even just like, also uh, when uh, like there's the Gail scene who, Uh I like that they brought Gail back. I love Gail. Uh, I uh, I think she still is the most compelling character in this franchise, which is kind of sad. Um, but in the scene where she did like, you like gets, her hunky new boyfriend? Well, that's my problem. So like she has a giant hunky new boyfriend, and uh, he gets disposed of immediately in that scene. Like he gets like thrown, like get like someone that takes him from the back and he just throws him back and just overpowers him. And uh, apparently, it's then revealed that it's Quinn, the one who like who was at Gale's to kill Gale. It's like, no, this is like the physics of this don't make any sense. And there's like <laughs> not even an attempt. Like you didn't even need to explain this to me because I would not have like thought about this at all unless you brought it up. And I was like, oh, like the killer is clearly someone super strong to be able to do this. And then they say it's like, oh yeah, it's like Quinn. Well, she, there like, could have been two people at Gale's penthouse. But they couldn't have been because German Bill Rooney was in the park and the other kid oh, right. was like with the other people at the time, unless maybe he ran away again. <laughs> but like, um, 
So it's like, it has to be one killer and it has to be Quinn. And they say that it's Quinn. And it's so stupid. <laughs> it's Look, in Scream 5, um, uh, Amber reveals at the end that she was the one to kill Dewey. Yeah. And she is a physical match for Dewey. And the actress who plays Amber is like, four foot nothing not really i think she's but she's very yeah she's small. a tiny little I, woman but I'm like fine. that's the thing like i would not have been bothered by it if they actually didn't like say like who killed who i know like i remember like in the first few movies it was always fun to kind of figure out like when you rewatch like who this who person was, was there yeah this person and was all there. that so like that's fun for the fans and if you catch them like it like it with something that doesn't make any sense you're like oh it's fine they didn't like but here when they actually pull your attention to it it's just why also I'm, okay sorry uh-huh. no keep going <laughs> Well, I say I'm fine. Like this is a a a, uh, a weird trope of the franchise that I'm fine. Now that we don't have, you know, ever since the first one, we don't have like all male killers. Like I don't think uh, Aunt Jackie probably could have done some of the things <laughs> that she did in the second. But she one. had the rage. I feel like Laurie Madcalf <laughs> really sold the insanity of that woman. Like she's. She's spooky. Like As, she has oh, crazy she's great. Eyes. She's great in that uh, in that ending. But I'm I'm fine with like the killer being able to be really strong. Like I don't care as long as you make it like it. It's logical that that person could have physically been there. I rewatched the fifth one and rewatching it again. I had a much more enjoyment of the fifth one rewatching it. One of the things that's really fun is watching um, Amber and Richie's interaction the whole movie because it's revealed eventually that they're secret, like uh, secret lovers and they're the killers. Like the part where Dewey seems to get the upper hand and kill Amber, like the look Richie gives Jack Quaid's performance is really good. And the editing's really good as well, where it could read as either uh, I'm stunned that I was just attacked or, Oh fuck! The plan went wrong, and my girlfriend just died. It's yeah. it's actually really well done. <laughs> I should rewatch it because I actually think I like this one less than the previous one. Oh, and most people I've talked to like this one more. Yeah, I think that's sort of the. But I think what it is—is is this your scream two and three? <laughs> oh no! I mean, these are like there's such a vast gap between the rankings of the first four movies and these two. It's not. Oh, even. my rankings uh, are different than you. Oh, uh, yeah, we should do a ranking at the end. Uh, but uh, I think I might like the first, like the fifth one better because I think I I did like what the Quaid kid. What's his name? It's not Randy. Jack Quaid. Quaid. Jack Quaid. Uh, I thought he was good. And I thought the other uh, killer woman was also good. And I liked all of that stuff. My main beef with the former one was like the lack of commentary on like mm-hmm. modern horror. But I think like it worked better as a horror movie. Otherwise, I think this one for me was just so predictable on so many levels where it didn't even work as like a normal like who done it like regardless of whatever motivation is cuz like the motivation in this one is also asinine like so this man like had or like he gave like his son access to a collection of all the masks and ephemera of like the previous murders and that was fine 
Uh, and and then he rented a performance space in New York City in off like a very like, you know, in an expensive area of town to just be abandoned and be a shrine to these things. That's like wild. I, I just I, like when we first revealed that I really thought it was going to be like a full cult of like online weirdos like the first two were just part of a much bigger sure group. yeah that makes and i think sense. that would have made made more sense if they all pooled their resources together other than one goofy family <laughs> but also said goofy family apparently only moved to new york like six months ago or something right because she says that quinn says that her dad transferred to new york like recently oh to and follow her to college yeah, yeah, yeah. so like did they pack up the collection? <laughs> like, I don't know. I had so many questions about, like, the setup of this shrine that they had. It was sort of like, you know, like Pedro Pascal in the Nicolas Cage movie. Like, he has that Nicolas Cage shrine. It had kind of the same vibe. But in that movie, everyone knew that that was silly. And in this movie, yeah, it's still silly. But the people moment, seem to like The really... moment Dur- Dermot Mulroney is revealed, the moment we have like a police officer doing a secret identity, then it starts to get like, the moment you pull on that thread, it gets absurd. Like we're at the level of like Ace Ventura pet detective yeah. where Ray Finkel can get a sex change operation, then have presumably no background as a... Uh, what pronouns do we use for <laughs> the Einhorn character when discussing Ace Ventura Pet Detective? Famously. A very tolerant movie. No, one yeah. of the most transphobic movies of, of the past few decades. But like this character, uh, this character ch- uh, has a sex change, has no background, but then somehow within a few years is able to rise up the ranks of the Miami PD <laughs> to the point where they're like, captain <laughs> right and in this movie it's also like so there were these very publicized murders one year ago yes. and like we don't know anything about the parents like what they mm. look like i guess that sort of like in the second one there was like the excuse of like i got extensive surgery and all that and like she never met the mom uh, and it was like before all the social and media. Laurie Metcalf in that movie is just pretending to be a reporter to be there, right? But here is just like, did no one investigate this family like after the murders yes. happened? It was there no publication at least of like the parents, like what they look like and their grief. <laughs> like it's, it's astound. That's why I'm just like. I would like for them to actually attempt something with current technology, which they kind of do mm. with the Reddit, but that's all there is. There was, I think, like, the just, like, the subreddit was the only thing that was, like, technology, like, that could not have happened in 97. But, like, everything else is basically, but, like, try to do something that actually adheres to the world that we live in today. I think it would be interesting. Like those limitations and opportunities could be very interesting, but it doesn't seem like they have any interest in even doing that. Like each movie in the first four introduced a new element of technology to the world. And well, the the big addition in the fifth one was the um the voice changer built into the mask so that the person could talk while walking around. 
All right, but that's like a minor update, right? That's not a major version update. <laughs> well, it's a like, better update than the part three magical device that can make your voice sound like any human being on but planet But at least that was like, no, I thought that was totally fun. And they but use it in this one. They use it in this one. Uh, well, yeah, because that is, well, that's technology that almost, that currently almost exists no but in this world they have like let's say they came up with that technology there's nothing like fun that they're even trying here i'm not saying that this necessarily even has to be realistic i'm just saying like i think it would be cool if it's like based on something mm. that's actually real and and abides by the rules of society as they are today but yeah. it even if it doesn't, like, try something interesting. Introduce a new element. Like, I don't... I don't think... I mean, I don't... That. Look, I don't disagree with you. All the things... All the elements that you didn't like about this movie are things that I also thought were failings. I didn't like... Uh, I don't like that the new ones don't have anything to say about current horror movies. I hate Ghost Dad Billy. <laughs> and I I acknowledge that Dermot Mulroney's character makes no fucking sense whatsoever. However, the all the suspense sequences were fun. Like every single to me to me this is uh, uh this is the thing that like the Jurassic Park sequels never get. After the first and second Jurassic Park movie, no Jurassic Park movie has given me set pieces where it's a suspenseful sequence of a character trapped in a location with a dinosaur where we know the geography, we know what they can do, we know what the dinosaur can do, yada, yada, yada. And to me, this movie gave me, okay, we've got a new refreshing location. It gave me all, like, a series of four or five sequences that were all super fun suspense sequences. And to me, that's that, I guess that's, an, that's enough for me. No, that's good. I'm not like, I'm not happy to be shitting on this movie. As I said up top, I love you are. I can see You're smiling. You've been smiling this whole time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been holding a knife and I've been wearing yep. a mask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not happy about this. It's kind of a bummer for me not to enjoy the the movies, and I would still probably watch the next one too. I'll keep going back uh, and be Who surprised. Did you, I, who'd you see it with? Uh, I saw it with some friends and my boyfriend, uh, Corey, who you know. What was uh, what was the um, no one liked it. The group no really? One liked it. <laughs> Wait, who, do I know the friends you saw it with? Uh, Mark and Sean O'Reilly, who oh. you both know. Uh, but Sean did agree with you about Scream 3 being bad, so. But he also <laughs> thought that this was really bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I saw it with two people. The, one of the funny things is I saw it with a woman who has never seen a Scream movie before. Wow. And we're, <laughs> we're driving to the movie theater, and I was like, I was like, okay, well, let me try to, let me think what you would need to know for this. And I'm trying very delicately because I don't want to ruin her experience because she's like, maybe if I like this, I'll watch the other ones. And I was trying really, I'm like, so I'm like so delicately, I'm like, well, okay. So in the new ones, all you really to need to know for this one are the characters of Sam and Tara, their sisters. They were attacked in the last one. And one of them is the secret daughter of 
a killer from a previous movie. Like, I was being so delicate because I didn't want to spoil any of them. And, and then, then this movie comes out and they're like, here's the list of every killer from every previous Scream movie. I know. <laughs> and they literally so... go down the list. <laughs> Did she still want to watch any of the old ones? Or She had fun. She enjoyed it. I don't know if... She's uh, going to be rushing out to see the other ones. Uh, horror is not really her genre. so mm. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I'll keep coming back. I really love Ready or Not. I thought that one was so mm. creative. And I really like, I think maybe that's like another disappointment for me is that like that movie was so surprising and fun. And like, I feel and I keep hoping for these movies to be surprising mm. and fun and in the same way. But I don't know. Other than having some... For any, anyone who doesn't know, um, these recent screen movies are made by the filmmaking collective known as, I think, Radio Silence? Is that what yes. they go by? Yeah. Yes. And they made the uh, Ready or Not movie. Which is really good. So if you just... haven't checked it out, Ready or Not. Yeah, super and stars fun. Samara Weaving. I liked I liked her cameo. What You know what? Okay. I will say the one um, suspension of disbelief thing that to me was even more absurd than this police detective who is the father of a former killer getting asked to investigate the copycat series of killings um, <laughs> and moving to town and becoming that that high up as a homicide detective. That's absurd. But even more absurd than that is a human being who looks like Samara Weaving who is genuinely nervous and shy <laughs> about going on a date with some dork on Hinge. <laughs> Aww, she was so good at it too. She played. She nervous, was great. So I love. She was so funny in that opening scene. She's. I just. I was like. I was watching it. And I was like, Why are you not in more things? You're so good. Well, she uh, was just in. Uh, she was just in Babylon, right? I didn't see it. No, that's Margot Robbie. <laughs> No, but she's also in it. Isn't that the joke that the two? Oh, that's look right. Alike that's and... right. She is. She is. I totally forgot. Yeah, she's in like two scenes. Um, oh yeah, and she was in Bill and Ted Face the Music as one of their daughters. Yeah, I feel like she needs like more, just like star vehicles, because she's so good. Um, yeah, she's been in some random not great movies but no she's uh oh she was uh she's a main role on she's currently one of the starring roles on the showtime series smilf oof all right well thing oh I no not currently watch. that ended a couple years ago i will never watch this but oh <laughs> uh but hopefully you know she she's gonna she's gonna get more opportunities because i think she's really really good and uh, I feel like most people know her from like mistaking Margot Robbie for her, which is kind of unfortunate. Well, it seems like she's doing a lot more genre stuff than Margot Robbie's doing other outside of Margot's uh, uh, Harley Quinn yeah. gig. Well, I guess um, maybe yeah, no, if she that's is like incredibly what she likes. charming and funny in this opening scene. Um, bummer, she dies, but. I mean that's hey, to be expected. That, that's a plum. That's a plum spot to be uh, killed in the. Let's see. Can we get who who dies in the opening scenes of screen movies? We got Drew Barrymore. Then we've got uh, Jada um, Pinkett and Omar Epps. Omar Epps. Then we've uh, got uh, Liev Shriver. And, and I guess played his girlfriend in that movie. But I uh, she's from Gossip Girl. She's the mom from Gossip Girl, right? Um, I forget her name. Who I plays, want to say uh, Kelly Rutherford. Uh, uh, what, what's his character's name? Cotton. Con Weary's Cotton... wife or girlfriend. 
Is it Kelly? Oh, and I guess we should also say Steve from the first movie. I oh, apologize, actor who played Steve. I do not know who Steve's played you. Uh, the character is only seen with tape covering half his face. Like, how did they get, like, Steve's, like, Letterman jacket and stuff? That's also in the collection. Because uh, a police officer got it. You just have to go with the police. You, you just you just say the pol- police are evil. And that is, that is the explanation <laughs> like for that, everything that happens uh, in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I think they kind of sort of made the same one. Uh, four is the best, I think. Well, other than Drew. Oh, where so many people died. It's, yeah, it's uh, like the who's see. who of like CW circa 2011. I mean, I remember Anna Kristen Paquin. Bell, Anna Paquin. Kristen Bell does not die. She kills Anna Paquin. But then she dies. Amy Teagarden. Amy Teagarden dies. Oh, that's right. Uh, Two women from Dirty Little Liars, I think, who I don't know. I've I've listed all the actresses from TV shows I've seen. Yeah. I think we've gone down Friday Night Lights, uh, True Blood, and uh, um, uh, Veronica Veronica Mars. Mars. And yes, I did watch the first season of True Blood. (laughs) Uh, I think I watched the first season of True Blood, too. Uh, anyway, so there was that five. I don't. I was racking my brain trying to remember who the first murder in five was, and I couldn't. Like you just saw. Oh, it. <laughs> one minute. I just saw it. I did just see it. Um, <laughs> it is because I remember they they do the thing where like the killer has cloned Amber's phone is the explanation, but then at the end it's real. It's just Amber. It's been the killer the whole time, but. Fuck, who dies at the beginning of the fifth one? Yeah, I don't know. I assume it's someone blonde, considering oh, that they're... because no one dies. That's the subversion. Really? It's Tara. It's Jenna Ortega, but she survives. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I liked I liked the, the twist of this one better, where we just see oh, yeah. Ghostface face immediately. I also, speaking of Jenna Ortega, you have, like, the hottest fucking young actress... In the world, in your well, movie. they gave her much more to do in this one than the last one. Did they? Like, they barely gave her much to do. Also, she looks so young that when she goes to that frat party that's populated by like TV teens, which are like thirty-five year olds, mm-hmm. it looks like way more sinister than <laughs> it even like they intended for it to. Because she literally looks like a tiny child, and well, she's just, like, <laughs> twenty, but she is, I think, three feet tall. She is tiny and she's great. I I I really like her. I I just wish she got more to do. I think she mostly just runs around with Sam and complains well, about. Well, no, no, they have that whole the whole sequences with them fighting about. You know, she wants to for she wants to pretend that you know it's yeah. It's there the was trauma. like the one scene, but I wish like she got more to do. Just like. By herself, like I. Well, think... I would happily delete every ghost uh, Billy scene and give them to Jenna Ortega. Yeah, I thought she was great. I was just like, give her more to do. I think she also is a better actor than uh, Melissa Barrera, who I think is fine. But I think like Jenna Ortega has more of like an interesting presence. But well, it's hard know. to say because uh, uh, Barrera is stuck in 
this subplot that is, is <laughs> the worst part of this new trilogy yeah. and they can't get rid of it because they fucking they're all in on ghost billy and they can't i was so hoping i was so hoping i'm like you can keep her being dark or whatever but please don't show skeet Ulrich again but i'm I'm positive that the reason they're doing it is because they're building to the reveal that the killer next time is her mom and maybe Stu Mocker. Yeah. What if it is somehow, what if they, I'm not saying that they will do it, but, or, nor do I want them to, mm-hmm. but what if they somehow resurrect, like, Skeet Ulrich himself? <laughs> that would be so dumb. The bullet only got part of my brain. <laughs> well, is that... Any more unlikely than the television fell on me, <laughs> electrocuted me. I got stabbed multiple <laughs> times. I was already bleeding to death as that happened. And Stu I somehow survived. <laughs> I, I love... like... Sorry. Oh, no. I, I love uh, Matthew Lillard. You know, I thought Stu was probably my favorite character in the first movie. But it's just like, no, don't do that. That's bad. That's a bummer. They might, they they might not. That. We'll see when the next one... This one's also making a ton of money. We'll see if they churn out another one in 13 months again. Yeah. But, but I guess, and, like, yeah, if we see, like, an older woman who's not Gail Weathers in the next movie, it, we would have to assume that you were Well, right. she wouldn't have to be... She would have to be uh, Sydney's age. So in her... She'd, I mean, still older. Her... Sydney is like 45 at least. Yeah. I mean, just, like, older than these people. Oh, we haven't talked about the Sydney of it all. Yeah, I did miss Sydney. She didn't need to be there. It's well, I am. So, okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Nev Campbell publicly, you know, after Scream 5. So there was a whole thing where they were like, we're not going to make anyone's, any of any new Scream movies without uh, uh, Wes Craven. But then, you know, this, as the story goes, the Radio Silence guys contacted uh, Nev Campbell and they were like, hey, we, we, we love Wes, Wes's work as much, you know, we, we loved Wes's work. We didn't know him as a person, but we loved his work. We really respect him. This will be a tribute. They have the very cute scene in the last movie where a character named Wes dies. So they all mourn him and say for Wes, you know, yeah, Mm -hmm. very sweet. So they talked her back into doing it. And then after Scream 5 made a ton of money, Apparently, the studio who releases these movies now, Paramount, yeah. did not offer uh, Nev Campbell enough money, and she publicly went out and said, "I am. I have been in the face of this series for twenty five years, and you need like you need to start paying me the way you would pay a male actor who leads a franchise." But so I'm not going to return because they will not offer me the amount of money. And it was a big PR nightmare for the franchise. And they they had clearly had their crisis control on it because they had all the they like had all the the young actors release statements being like, we love Nev and we think it's <laughs> badass what she did. And it was clearly like a PR thing of like, make the suits the bad guys. The new Screamcast has to look like good guys. Um and that was, you know, whatever. And and I, and I think a lot of fans were like, you know, it is kind of sad that these things keep happening to the character of Cindy. So it's like probably for the best that she's gone. But the scene that they included in this movie to write her out is not. It's so awkward. So what happens is Sam and Tara are getting into a car. And Gail appears. This is our first scene with Gail. I, I liked how she was introduced. That was really fun. 
I like um, that. And I really, okay, uh, keep talking. Yeah. She is introduced in, uh, uh, I, I was genuinely surprised, I, even though I knew she was in it, the way that they introduced her was fun, her popping up amongst the reporters. But then she walks over to Sam and Tara and she goes, I spoke to Sydney. And they both turn around and they both turn around eyes wide. And okay, I'm sorry. This is not, I, I, I know that for some reason the new screen movies keep referencing the Star Wars sequels. But Sydney Prescott is not Luke Skywalker. She is not a world famous, like, <laughs> mystical, like, yes, yeah, she's famous because all these movies are based on her life. But in Scream 5, Sam and Tara met her for maybe 20 minutes. Right. They would not turn around. So, Like, if they don't want to talk to Gail, they probably also don't want to talk to Sydney. So them turning around and then Gail says the thing. They just took a line from what people were saying on like Twitter of like, she's not coming. She deserves her happy ending. And then Sam and Tara go, yes, yes, she does. <laughs> Scene over. And it's like, I was like, I would have rather you just not mentioned her. That was so awkward. <laughs> yeah. Also, like uh, uh, on the like the Gail's near death scene, she's like, "Tell Sydney he didn't get me." And it's like, I mean, I know you probably like bonded over trauma or whatnot, but I think one of the more interesting aspects of Scream is that like they weren't friends. Like they kept being drawn into this thing, and they had the sort of like. Uh, grudging respect towards each other, yeah. but it was there weren't like friends. So the Scream Five shows them as being when they see each other friendly. Yeah, I think like in the fourth one too, they kind of hug it yeah. and all that. And I would I would believe that those characters like this is <laughs> as as the new characters say in Scream Five. Like I'm so like I think they have a line that I really like in Scream Five where they they are seeing. Gail and Sydney, and they go, I'm sorry that this became your life, but <laughs> yeah. it's not ours. And that, like, yeah. <laughs> that's the sad thing about sequels is that, like, these poor human beings, this has become their life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, it would be interesting to explore another thing that they have no interest in exploring, really, uh, in this movie. Like, what is it like? Because, yeah, Jenna Ortega is like, I want to move on. Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be living with this? I don't know. It doesn't seem, it seems like you still go to parties, even though, like, there was, like, um, you almost well, got slashed, like, six months prior. I don't know. Well, or I think that, I think they showed, I think actually, I, I thought they depicted that well. I think that's that's a believable reaction that she is trying to ignore that it ever happened, which is leading her to drink too much. She's she's drinking all the time. We see that she's afraid to go with this uh, clearly sketchy uh, older uh, boy upstairs who they they cast a man who's, you know, twice her size. I know. Um, which and yeah, she, I I thought they did a fine job. I just feel but yeah, like but they I also done I believe more. that she's like her natural hesitation to go off with this man. She forces that away, but she, because she has connected any kind of survival instinct to being the same, like being part of her part mm -hmm. of her past. So she chooses to do this dangerous thing because 
in her mind, by not ju- doing this dangerous thing, she is living in fear, which is the thing she's most afraid of, that this will take over her life. I thought that all worked. No, I thought, I thought that worked. A- I just, I, I felt like there was, that was the one scene where it was really that. And then there was like mm-hmm. the conversation scene. But then we didn't really like see that play out in any sense yeah. beyond well, that. We have the new love interest with she and Chad, which oh, is funny God. because the fifth rewatching the fifth movie, they set up that Wes, the character Wes, has a crush on her. And in his first few scenes, all he does is like, he's like, Tara's hurt. Tara, like, I'm really worried about Tara. Sam, you need to come home. Tara's hurt. But they don't actually really share any scenes together because she's in the hospital. Uh-huh. And then he's stabbed. So I guess we've just completely, like, <laughs> that. If there was any kind of uh, uh, tenderness between them, we've just moved on. But speaking of Chad, the one thing in these two new screen oh, movies God. that I really find hilarious is that the team at Radio Silence, the filmmakers, seem to believe that a human body can be stabbed so many times <laughs> and still be alive. <laughs> when they revealed that Chad was alive again at the end of this one, I guess it's becoming a running joke at this point that Chad, like, it's kind of their... I, I guess it's supposed to be like their parody of how Dewey almost died in each of the first ones and yeah. came back because, you know, originally Dewey was supposed to die in the first movie, but uh, Wes Craven loved his performance so much that they he had them do a sec another take of the shot of the body being wheeled away where he's alive and gives a thumbs up. So right. I guess they this is basically a parody of that where he gives a thumbs up this time, even though we saw him be stabbed by two different people. Yeah, so many like times. in so many parts of his body too. Uh, I mean, he's he's gonna have to be like like a quadriplegic next time, right? Also, like we see him shirtless at that frat party, and he looks great, but like there's mm. no like scars or anything like that. Like the- you know, what's funny. He has a scar on his chin, and I thought that was like I was like I couldn't remember. I'm like, oh, maybe he got stabbed in the chin last time. But I watched the fifth fifth one, and that's I think that's just a scar on that actor's face. Yeah, uh, they're not doing a Francis McDormand big scar. Sorry, women talking reference. Oh, <laughs> I, I, was like, I was like, which movie? Uh, um, yeah, do, do you have anything more to say? Uh, or should we rank them and rate them? No, I, I, I think like going back to my rant, my rant at the beginning. Yes, these new screen movies do not succeed at some of the things that I loved about the previous screen movies. The, the satire in my mind is... M- well, it doesn't have anything to say about horror trends. Um, and that's a bummer. And yes, I hate Ghost Billy. And I, I I hate it so much. It's so cheesy. But I do like a lot what the, the other things that this movie did, particularly its use of the New York setting, even though it's filmed in Kenda, um, I thought clearly. was really good. And in the end, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. You did not. I did not. Uh, I plus one to all the negative stuff you said and (laughs) other things that it did badly as well. (laughs) Anyway, I don't want to rehash them, but you know, maybe the the next one will be fun. (laughs) Maybe the next one will be fun. I will say uh, Kirby looks wild 
Uh, and also her plan to like lead them to uh, the abandoned theater at the end was not a good plan. <laughs> and it was very much a red herring plan considering that we were supposed to like, I guess, uh, you know, suspect her. But it was very, very silly if you actually think about it as a plan of an FBI agent who's supposed to be 30. Yeah, one other, one other... One other thing I didn't like about this movie, as I count myself myself as one of the Kirby fans from Scream Four. Oh, she was great in Scream Four. That character wouldn't become a cop. Kirby's not a fucking cop. Also, I will say, like her bonding with uh, with Mindy about like favorite horror movies was the most like surface level, low hanging fruit like bullshit. It's like also like favored this one two three that's like ki- kids bonding in <laughs> kindergarten like when i would write to a new pen pal when i was like in the third grade i would be like these are my favorite things and i feel like i have yet to communicate like that since then veronica why haven't they yet done a thing where the randy character hosts a horror movie podcast yeah they should they should interact with the 21st century like they don't oh, Mindy Mindy and Kirby should be hosting a podcast when the next movie appears hopefully and Chad should be the co-host and he never speaks that's okay Radio right. Silence bring Notes. me on <laughs> uh, alright do you want to give this first a grade and then put it in the scream context the pantheon yeah let's do it alright All right. I think this is going to be one where we're wildly uh, separated <laughs> would, but yeah. here we go three uh, three Two, Two, one, one. C A minus. A minus? <laughs> That's insane. I liked uh, it a lot. So. Uh, maybe B plus. Maybe how much, I go back and forth. I go back and forth. What would you give your favorite Scream movie? A plus. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. That seems like such a small gap between your favorite movie of all time I, and I've this said this movie. before and I'll say it again. Scream is the only... It's, to this point, the only film franchise that has zero movies that I think are not fun to watch. Wow. Wow. All right. So what's your favorite <laughs> screen movie? Or do we want to go right. from the bottom? Uh, I think I, we can do this quick. I, and I don't think we, we should do this at the same time. I think that would be audio-wise unintelligible. So I'll, I'll, do, I'll quickly go down my list. I go number one, Scream. Then a large gap then Scream 4, then another fairly large gap, uh, and here we go, Scream 6. Wow, that's wild. Then, uh, then a gap, and then I would put Scream 2 and Scream 5 tied, and then um, waving up at them from the bottom, I would put Scream 3. Wow, you need to revisit Scream 3. It's really fun. I did, two weeks ago. It's so fun. <laughs> it's still not. Hey, I love that Creed soundtrack. Parker Posey, oh god! Parker Posey is incredible. The in that next movie. person I still like to it. die is I the like one. All of them. It's just my least favorite. Is the one who smells the gas. Like there's so many fun creative kills in that movie. Um, anyway. It also has the Jay and Silent Bob cameo. Yeah, that's so stupid. All right. Anyway, <laughs> mine one. No, almost no gap at all. Three. Then somewhat of a gap. That's Four. insane. Uh, four, then a bit of a gap, 
too. Then a valley followed by a river, followed by a crater, followed by the Grand Canyon. Then probably five. Maybe I'll rewatch. And then six. Uh, I but I still like again. I. You know, this is not like us watching Men in Black International or some shit. Like, this is still, like, more diverting than that. But I'm disappointed <laughs> with this new crop. Um, have you seen anything oh, interesting, John? Oh, God. Let me get my fucking uh, list out. While you pull your list out, I will divert our listener by saying that I have seen a bunch of movies since last time we talked. I watched mm. Tar, which is still fucking amazing. Uh, I watched Timey Up, Timey Down, the Almodovar movie, and I thought some of its politics did not really translate to the modern world. Uh, I saw all the animated shorts, and My Year of Dicks was really good. And the one that won that I don't want to even utter its name was garbage like truly you don't want to utter its name because it's like 12 words right yeah it's so fucking bad um anyway i saw magic was that here's a question i haven't seen i haven't seen the animated shorts was that one as bad as the one that won a few years ago about the school shooting because that was one of the worst things i've ever seen i think this one was worse this one was somehow even more cynical and exploitative but in a different way oof um A sidebar on that, by the way, Vulture ranked all, like, the animated uh, short winners, and they ranked the school shooting one in the top ten. They might have even ranked it as the number one, and I Well, to be fair, Veronica, some people uh, do have uh, brain damage. Yeah, I guess, yeah, we should consider the brain damaged. Anyway. It's so nice of the Vulture writers to give that poor, poor deranged person a job. You know, it's good to let them let them work. That's true. That's true. Vulture is what was nothing it called? but a- What was it called? Um, if something happens, I will love I you love forever you. or something like that. I think it was, oh, yeah. if something happens, I love you. Oh, oh. just, <laughs> hey, sorry. If you, if you were involved in the making of that movie, I'm sure you're a good person yeah i'm sure people love you yeah that was bad and you should feel bad (laughs) uh i saw magic mike's last dance and i thought the dancing was super super good i wish we knew anything about any of the new dancers they didn't even get names that was weird uh i saw crouching tiger hidden dragon for the first time in a movie theater Mm. and it was really really fun michelle yo is super super good in it um I saw Paris, Texas for the first time, and I thought it was underwhelming. <laughs> uh, I for a second I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I love Steve Zan. And then I'm like, wait, that's Happy Texas. <laughs> uh, yeah, it starts off really good, but I think at the end it just like feels like so stagey and play. And actually, like the morals of this movie, I don't know that I'm comfortable with. Mm. Um, I've never seen it, but I know I people talk about the. Um the peep show scene all the time. Yeah, it's well done, but the content of it is, I think, I don't connect with. Uh, I rewatched the first two Fast and Furious movies and they were as great as always. I uh, watched the new Guy Ritchie movie and it was so bad. It was like confusing. It was just like everything was off. Like they had all the beats, but they just, none of them felt right. Um, I saw Cocaine Bear, which I thought was pretty fun. 
Uh, and I saw women talking, which I thought was really, really freaking good. Other than Tar in that list, it's probably like the best movie of the bunch that I've seen. Uh, and I cried several times. <laughs> oh, during Tar? Uh, no, during Women Talking. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I don't cry for Tar. You're like, tar you're like Lydia Tar's butchering Mauler. <laughs> no, I don't cry for Tar. She deserved what she got. Um, yeah, what have you seen? Don't cry for Tar, for she is already dead. And by dead, we mean composing music for the Monster Hunter franchise. Um, uh, mine is less varied. I see here's something. For the first time ever, I saw, um, at the request of a friend who wanted to watch it, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And this was one of those situations where you watch, uh, you're with someone and you watch their childhood favorite movie and you're sitting there going... Ooh, my feelings about this movie are not going to make them feel good. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it. I always wanted to because I used to love Christina Applegate and I wanted to check it out, she's, but I never have. She's lovely in it. Um, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is like if the movie Big was written by people who hated children. That's what it feels like. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's it's a story. Another story. I mean, it sounds about, compelling having you describe it like that. <laughs> well, it's it's another story about a a child, uh, in this case, a teenager, um, who through fantastic uh, situation, in this case, a dead babysitter, has to join the adult world and pretend to be an adult. Mm. And in the case of Big, this fake adult who's actually a child teaches the other ch adults about the joys of childhood wonder and joy. And in this movie, the fake adult who's actually a kid learns that kids suck and just need to be more mature. You know what? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that has the same energy as that uh, Business Insider article everyone was shitting about this week about this girl who went to Florence on an no. NYU study abroad thing. <laughs> And was just so sad that no one cared about their GPAs <laughs> like she did. Uh, um, anyway. I rewatched Perfect Blue. Uh, that movie's excellent. And rewatching it, I, I realize how many movies, uh, other than, you know, for years people have been talking about Darren Aronofsky stealing from that movie, um, homaging. Um, but I realize how influential that movie was on other movies, including... In some ways, the movie I saw the night before, Watcher, not The Watcher, just Watcher, uh, which is a um, a horror movie starring uh, Micah Monroe, and it was pretty good. Pretty mm. good. Um, which one I is saw... Perfect Blue? I've never seen it. Is that the oh, Satoshi Kon? Um, is it an anime? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You would love it. Oh, it's I great. Check it out. Um, I watched Aqua Teen Forever colon Plantasm, the new Aqua Teen movie. They're still making Aqua Teen movies. Oh, it's the it was this is the first one in like a decade. Whoa. Um, uh, it's it's fun. You you know what you're getting into. All right, I never watched a single frame of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I don't know. And so a lot of these other ones are. I got a subscription to Shutter. Oh. And so, <laughs> I watched the movie Death Spa. Um, Death which was... Spa is where you go to die cleanly. 
I, I will say this about Death Spa. Whoever came up with the idea, at first it seems like it's a computer gone evil movie, but then it's actually a ghost movie. I do think the movie Death Spa maybe hates women, but mm. I will say this. Um, they realize that having it set at a, a spa gives them license to have a lot of nudity and they utilize that. So good on them. Good for um, using your I, setting. I saw Cocaine Bear, which needed to be funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw <laughs> Sadako versus Kayako, um, uh, which is the ring ghost versus the grudge ghost, a Japanese Whoa. movie. Because I was fascinated to see how they would come up with those characters, <laughs> what reasoning they would have for those characters to fight. And they really don't. <laughs> a very disappointing movie. Um, I think the AV Club review had the funniest point where it's like, it's kind of boring to see a fight between two characters who's, who each have the biggest, their, their biggest trait is that they just stand around looking creepy. <laughs> Um, and then I watched uh, Near Dark for the first time, um, uh, and I loved a lot of it, except uh, the blood transfusion stuff uh, sucks. Um, but yeah, those are the movies I watched. Exciting. All right. I will try to watch your perfect blue recommendation. That I would be exciting. interesting to hear your thoughts on it. Thank you so much. Well, it's time for me to reveal that I've been using a voice changer, and this whole time I'm actually <gasps> the dude from Felicity. Whoa, my favorite! I thought you died in that. That's movie. right. It's me, Scott Foley from Felicity, <laughs> <laughs> and I've been the killer this whole time. Ah, Scott. That Foley. one's for all my Scream Three heads out there. Scream Three, according to Veronica. Almost as good as Scream 1. Yeah, I have an equally good time with it whenever I watch it. I will say that. You're a madwoman, Veronica. I'm crazy. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. See you later with an old movie, TBD. Bye. TBD as well. Not as well. To be determined as well doesn't make any sense. Whatever. The podcast is over. Bye, 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 bye. Toot, toot. Bye.